Welcome to Beyond the Donation, a podcast powered by DonorDoc. Our goal is to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies to further your fundraising and to teach you how to build your best donor relationships beyond their donation. Now on to the show with your host, Matt Bitsagai. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Donation. I'm your host, Matt Bitsagai, and I'm joined today by our Chief Marketing Officer at DonorDoc, Rob Burke. Rob, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Matt. Rob, why don't you tell, take just a second and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I uh, have been working in the marketing world for about 19 years now. I fell in love with photography and then video at an early age, and that just morphed directly into having an impact on companies and kind of the, the intersection of entrepreneurship and, and storytelling is really where I found my passion. And so I, I worked in the agency world for many years and then jumped out and started my own video production company called Yarn Media. And we uh, worked pretty heavily with nonprofits, the for-profit sector as well, but uh, quite a bit of uh, nonprofits, international and small, and sold that company a few years ago and jumped into more of the strategy role of director and CMO of, of different companies and have been with DonorDoc for a little while now. So with a lot of your background being in video and storytelling, how do you see that, you know, positively impacting charities and what should they be thinking about when they're trying to figure out how to leverage video for storytelling? Yeah, storytelling has become a bit of a buzzword. And so it can sometimes feel a little confusing as to what actually is a story when it comes to uh, the for-profit and nonprofit sectors. Um, the way that I put it is, if you are talking about yourself, it's probably not the story. If you're talking about the impact you're making or the impact your customers are making or the impact your community is making, that's the story that you should be telling, right? Um, a good rule of thumb that I always talk about is 80% you, 20% me. So if you're talking about to your, to your community, if you're saying you, 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 and then we are helping with you, that can be a really good way of making sure that you don't talk about yourself in your storyline and you're talking about them and the impacts that they're helping make. And so with video specifically, I mean, it can be, you know, video can be a fairly expensive proposition if you're going out and having professional quality videos done, things like that. So, you know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, video can be varying degrees of quality, obviously everything from just you recording something quick on your iPhone up to professionally done videos. How would you guide nonprofits who are typically, you know, trying to figure out budgets and, and things like that? How would you guide them in trying to find that right balance of quantity, quality when it comes to video in their storytelling? Because I think that can be kind of overwhelming for them, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, it's an exciting time that we're living in. You know, if you had asked me that question 10 years ago, I would have talked pretty heavily about making sure that you have a good storyline, but also that you have really good quality because back then that was a turnoff if you were pretty low quality. But the the day and age that we live in now with TikTok and Instagram reels and, and whatnot, um, you can have a really powerful story and you don't have to have a high, high production for it to make a huge impact on your community. As, you know, the way that I attribute that is making sure that you align your quality with your channels. So if you're going for TikTok, uh, raw and real is is going to be more effective than a high polished video. If you're going for um, large audience, as such as a gala, 
uh, that TikTok video probably won't land very well because it's poor audio in a huge room, that a ballroom that you're trying to uh, present it in, right? And so quality with your channels is really important. But um, the underlying foundation of that, I'll just uh, reiterate, is is storytelling. If you can if you can script and make sure that what you're telling is important, then the quality is less important. And storytelling really spans across a lot of different mediums, not just video. Like, you know, what are other ways or other things that you see nonprofits doing well when it comes to storytelling that may not be related to video in and of itself, or maybe video is just one component of it? Yeah, I would, I would agree that it's one component of it. If you are relying on anything with marketing, if you're relying on getting your story across via one medium, then you're going to lose out on a lot of opportunity. And so the way that I look at video is it is a piece of the puzzle. You can be telling that same story through uh, blog articles, through social media posts, through word of mouth, through um, podcasts like this. There, there's a lot of different channels that you can use. And um, again, if you, if you work on that foundation of what is the message that you're telling first, and then use video as a channel and a, a content piece, but it's not going to be your only piece that you use. Well, and I think a big part of any kind of, you know, marketing and, and storytelling is trying to get that content where the people that you are trying to reach are at. And I, I think that's probably challenging for, well, probably for both for-profit and for nonprofit. I mean, you've got a lot of different places that you can put content and invest in. And, uh, you know, when you think about a nonprofit, you've got a donor base often that is, you know, really broad in terms of like the age ranges and, you know, where they're at. So do you have any advice for our listeners as to how to kind of, you know, determine and prioritize where they should be trying to, uh, you know, get their content out and in front of people? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, it can have, you can have a broad demographic when you have a donor base, but when you actually start to put pen to paper, most nonprofits do have a brand that uh, specific demographics will align to. And that might be a younger demographic or that might be an older demographic. You'll have a little bit of both. So you can't just put all of your eggs in one basket. But you'll start to see, you know, if you spend, uh, if you take a little bit of time to look at the data behind your donors, if you can see what age ranges that they fall in, you can start to align that with the channels that you're marketing and that you're presenting your information on. For instance, if they're in that uh, young professional age range, LinkedIn is a really great place for you to be. If they're in that Gen Z range, TikTok and Instagram and most, <laughs> well, if you're in those ranges, that's really the two places that you should mm -hmm. be. If you're in the older age range, Facebook is the, way, <laughs> the place that you should be. Yep. And so um, I think making sure that you spend the time and effort to at least even anecdotally get your demographic information in front of you so you can more intelligently decide what channels to be on, but then also know that um, you can't put all your eggs in one basket and only be on LinkedIn. If you do have some Gen Zers, then you should also be trying to do TikTok. Um, but every, you, you can't do everything, right? Um, resources is a, a reality, lack of resources. And so if you... If you do know your demographic, it'll help you prioritize. If you're going to do one, what is the one that you're going to do? Well, and I think that a lot of times, 
you know, we see it in, in the customers that we work with that the idea of, of going through and, and defining donor personas, for example, is, is kind of a, a concept that seems, uh, kind of foreign to them or something that they, a lot of them probably haven't done. And we talk about it in our ebook, uh, that's about donor engagement, how important it is to try and start to, um, you know, classify and categorize your donors into those personas based on those demographics. And it helps you target in that, in that book, we're talking specifically about existing donors and targeting engagement, you know, touch points and things with that. But it really, it really holds true with marketing to prospective donors too. And I think uh, it's something that maybe a lot of our listeners, a lot of our customers aren't doing that would probably be very powerful for them to go through that exercise. And it can seem scary and it can seem daunting, but at the end of the day, uh, as you said, even if you're starting with just anecdotal data to try and put that together, it can still give you a leg up than if you, you know, compared to not doing it at all. And so um, can at least inform you in where you might want to be investing the time and effort. And, you know, we know, too, that within a single donor base, um, you know, you may have, uh, you know, you may have donors who are in a younger demographic who choose to give a certain way or, or based on certain, you know, drivers that are driving them to give. And you may have others that, you know, your estate type gifts or your, your larger major gifts that may be in a different demographic and want to hear from you in a different way. And so I think ultimately though, it, a lot of it comes back to what you said earlier, which is telling that compelling story as to how they're helping um, and make them the hero in that. And I love that. Um, when you think about, you know, uh, like the future of this stuff, I mean, you got all sorts of things happening right now with like AI generated, uh, you know, images now and AI generated marketing content is becoming a big buzzword. Like, do you see that becoming something that, uh, you know, that will impact things like storytelling and video as well? Like these new technologies that are emerging? Yeah. Um, I actually just had a conversation about AI generated content with uh, the donor doc marketing team yesterday. And the way that I put it is it's not if we're going to use this new tool, it's how we're going to use it. And so a big piece of donor doc is transparency and authenticity. And so the last thing we want to do is start to uh, generate content that we don't have a, a pulse on or that we're not creating ourselves. But at the same time, it's similar to saying, you know what, we're going to stick with the steam engine, the gasoline engine. I, I, I don't know if I trust it. Uh, you know, it's uh, AI generated content is a tool that is not going to go anywhere. It's only going to become more prolific. And so I, again, like I think about, you know, 10 years ago with the quality of video that was required. And now today, how exciting it is that you can have impact with technically low quality video from your phone on, a, on TikTok. AI-generated content is another really exciting piece for resource-strapped companies or nonprofits where it's allowing you to uh, rely on a virtual assistant, if you will, to help take some of the load off of your plate, not to replace you or replace what you're capable of doing. Because the one thing that AI, it's going to be a long time before it can be a thought leader in the industry. It's regurgitating information. So if there's yep. prolific information, rely on it. But if you're trying to be a thought leader or if you're trying to create thought leadership, that's where you can rely on research and AI content to back up what you're doing. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it was interesting. I actually was messing around with um, like the chat GPT thing that's that's out through Open API the other night, and you know, I asked it to um, write me a uh, fundraising gala invitation for a you know a, a charity that's fighting homelessness, just to kind of see what it came up with, and it was it was actually really pretty well written. I have to be honest, like for things like that, where, um, you know, you're right. It's not that that's those types of things aren't necessarily, um, about trying to be a thought leader. They're about trying to get that stuff out the door. And, uh, if, if you can get reasonably good quality from some of that, it's really interesting. It's, it's certainly, a a topic of conversation, you know, in the tech side of things and, and in the marketing side of things right now, just about uh, ethics related to that. You touched on, you know, transparency and things like that. Um, but I do think you do make a good point that when you are a small, you know, nonprofit that is probably resource constrained and you don't have a marketing content writer, um, it may be able to be something that as it continues to grow and, and become more robust, that could certainly play a role in that. And we've even, you know, discussed uh, with our tech team on the, you know, on the donor doc side of how can we leverage some of those things to help our customers, you know, generate things like that, you know, simple thank you uh, letters or, or, um, you know, event invitations, you know, different things like that. So it's pretty, pretty interesting and compelling for sure. And I'll be interested to see as it continues to grow, you know, again, you can go out right now and generate, um, you know, images and, and things like that. And, you know, what, at what point will we be able to have it generate you an explainer video about your nonprofit? You know, it'll be, it'll be kind of cool to see where it goes. Um, so I, I want to, you know, just kind of put you on the spot for a second. You know, we like to, we like to kind of give our listeners something that's actionable, uh, some, some tip or tool, something that they can use, uh, in this case to maybe, do a better job of telling stories. You know, what do you have for our, our listeners that might be able to help them from a storytelling perspective, a, a tip, a tool, some kind of guidance? Yeah. You know, storytelling can feel daunting when you have a blank page. Uh, and just to reiterate with uh, AI engines, that is also extremely beneficial where it gives you a starting point. So uh, don't hesitate to plug in some of your data and your information into that and say, give me a social media post. And it might not be what you post, but it gives you a, a, it gets you from point zero to point one. And so you have a starting point. But uh, the, the advice I would give when it comes to storytelling and story, storytelling effectively is every great story has a binary action, a, a a positive and a negative. It's life or death, it's success or failure, it's love or hate, it's hope or despair. If you can change that uh, from positive to negative or vice versa in your story, that's all you need to care about. So that allows you to write a big storyline with multiple binaries, or it allows you to write a, a quick social media post that says, this is the despair that happened, and this is what happened because of you. And it gives you the ability to really quickly showcase the binary effect of what your community and your donors are affecting through the nonprofit that you're running. That's great. Yeah. And I love what you said 
too about you know it's it's a lot of times it's it's a lot easier to maybe edit or update something than it is to just create something from nothing so you know the little tip around maybe using some of these tools again we've been messing around with chat gpt which you can google and if you're not familiar with that it's a conversational uh, engine that you can kind of ask it questions or ask it to do something and it will kind of generate out that content for you um but yes i think you know what you just said um, makes a ton of sense for people. I think uh, I'm not sure that there's uh, from a marketing perspective for nonprofits, I'm not sure there's anything that's more important than being good storytellers about the impact that, you know, that's being generated by your organization and, and ultimately by those donors that are choosing to invest in your organization. So I think that's really, really solid advice for people. Rob, you have anything else you want to talk about before we sign off today? You have any other topics that you think are pressing or think that you think our listeners would be interested in? No, I'd say the only thing that comes to mind is just going back to what you said uh, a little while ago around the different types of you know, we were talking about demographics and how, you know, your uh, larger contributors might be in uh, a different age range and a different wanting to contribute in a different way via a state or whatever that looks like. I think that's a really good, I just wanted to touch on that to say that's a really good thing to talk through at, with your team or yourself of saying, what are my age ranges and what is it that they're requesting to do? So things like if they're asking to pay online, do I have online giving or if they're asking to pay through estate plans or do I have that option? It's the exact same thing with how do they want to be communicated with? And you can even ask your, your uh, community, how is it that they best in, in, how is it that they best hear from you? Yep. Is it via text? Is it via email? Is it via social media? What social media channels? Is it via phone calls. Some people hate phone calls. Some people love it. And I think that's an age range thing too. Yep. So I think just reiterating that how the importance of um, not just looking at age, but looking at what is it that they want out of uh, your nonprofit and how can you best tear down the roadblocks that are keeping them from donating or volunteering or whatever it is that you're looking for. And if you're interested in those topics for our listeners, I think our, our ebook mission engage is really goes into a lot of uh, detail around that it gives you some uh, different uh, things that you eight eight really important characteristics about donors you maybe want to be thinking about and trying to track and keep track of when it's time to engage with them so something I would highly recommend it's it's out on our website at donordoc.com um, Rob I think it might make sense for us to have you back on at some point here soon and actually go into deeper detail around how do you define donor personas because you know we went through an exercise like that at donordoc around our customers that I thought was really valuable and gets you thinking about things maybe in a bit of a different way. So that might be something that we could have you come on and talk through. You know, sometimes we talk about things and we assume people know the steps to go to, to, to start doing something like that. And I think, um, you know, what we'd love to be able to do is really give our listeners actionable steps that they can walk away from the podcast and say, I now feel equipped to go have this meeting with my team and, and start generating out these personas. So we'll, we'll get you back on here soon. And I think that would be a really interesting topic to go deeper on, uh, and yeah. give people some, some more insight into. So Rob, thanks for joining us today on Beyond the Donation. Um, I look forward to having you back and uh, thanks for all the wonderful information for our listeners. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond the Donation podcast. We're grateful you tuned in today. For more information about our guests and to view the show notes, resources, and links from today's show, head over to beyondthedonation.com. Here's to furthering your mission and driving more impact beyond the donation.